welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary episode number 89 for Saturday the 24th of February 2018. And it's been a lousy week (laughs) for writing. I said to you last week that I'd been struggling and had this lurgy and um, it didn't feel like a terrible lurgy to be honest with you but it has knocked me back a little bit and uh, I haven't been anywhere near, hasn't been a case of not being as productive as I would normally be. But I just felt a bit tired, to be honest with you, which is a ridiculous thing to say. But uh, I just haven't really felt up for it in the way that I usually am. So what I've tried to do while I've been shirking my responsibilities as an author is I've just tried to be productive in other ways. And I've tried to rejig my my diary and my things to do so that I could do things that kind of take less concentration, um, you know, less kind of, um, you know, grit to, to stick with. Um, so that I can at least be moving some things on, chugging some jobs on, in the hope that I'd kind of wake up and go ding and be ready to to to, to get back to work again, uh, you know, uh, properly at full productivity, and then I could pick up the things that I should have been doing. So I have done an awful lot of diary shuffling um, this past week. Now, um, I, I'll tell you what the issues are. So um, I'm, I'm completely good to go again now. I got my get up and go back from whatever the lurgy was. Um, that kind of came back good and proper midweek, really. So I, I kind of feel like I'm firing on all cylinders again. Um, but the other thing is, and I, I mentioned this to you last week, um, is I'm struggling with the end of the book. This this book I've just sort of sailed through up to the end of chapter eight. And it's a ridiculous thing to be stuck on. It's, it's an absolute ridiculous thing to be stuck on. But the person who really has to have done it in the book is not really the person I want to have done it. I, I kind of had this this end sorted out for the protagonist and didn't really want this person to have been the one who's done it but everything really points to to this person I've been coming up with I've basically got sheets of A4 here paper and I've been doing this with biro which is what I tend to do when I get a bit stuck with things and I've got a kind of almost like a mind map here of who the characters are and who might have done it and if they did it does do, do all the little bits trace back correctly so that they they could have done it and it keeps coming back to this one character, and I don't, I don't really want it to be this character. Um, but I think I think I'm going to have to. I mean, it's, it's a bit like you know, killing your darlings, isn't it? But I, I didn't. I want this. I wanted this character to to have a happy ending, not a sad ending. But anyhow, I'm I'm struggling. And this morning, this morning, because my get up and go had come back, I thought, right, right, okay. This morning, I'm going to write. I'm going to write um, forty to forty five thousand words. And um, I've been quite busy in the evenings this week, and I'd sort of been working through these plans, trying to plot it, trying to plot it. And I thought, okay, this morning I could get 5,000 words done, but I'm not going to write in order. There are three parts of the story that I can write that I know how they're going to go, you know, which is pretty well the, the ending and, and the lead up to the, the last exciting bits. I know how they're going to go, and I can postpone it. I can postpone deciding who did it even longer for another 5,000 words. Um, but I, I would be writing out of order, basically. 
So I sat down when my wife went to work today and I started writing and I actually started to write each of the, the subsections before my, my wife left for work, you know, just to get ahead of steam on to get the first words in there. So all I had to do is sit down and continue writing. And I just thought, you know what? I'm, I'm not ready to do this yet. This is not good enough. Uh, and I'm not ready. So, um, what I decided to do is to revert back to the plan that I told you last week. And actually it does make more sense other than my impatience to get to get it finished and written um it does make more sense to write next week because thursday of this week i did a corporate training yesterday all day yesterday and then i had to record a crypto podcast in the evening so, so yesterday was completely out and so um I, uh, my wife was at work today has, has been at work today but everybody's home at the weekend so I only would have got up to 45,000 words. I could have written tomorrow, but again, it's not really a good day to write with everybody at home. So to be honest with you, next week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, um, my wife's at work on those days. I've got a run of three sort of really good writing days where um, I always find it better for my self-discipline because she's out the door at 20 to 10 and I'm straight to my desk and I start typing, you know, the minute the the, the, <laughs> the key's been turned in the lock, basically. Uh, and that's my trigger to start writing. I'm like a Pavlovian dog with it. Um, so it makes, it does make more sense, actually, to write on Thursday, Friday and Saturday of next week. And what I think I'll do is probably write 45,000 words on the Thursday to 50 on the Friday. And then I might do some rewriting uh, on the Saturday. So I figured out how I could do this anyway, and it's all going to get done on time. And I did contact my editor, Helen Fazal, this week. And I did say to her uh, when I was sort of thinking, oh, geez, Paul, you're just not getting this work done. I did say to her, could you take this book um, by the 19th of March, if I had to deliver it by then. But I actually think I will hit my deadline still. I'm pretty sure I'm going to hit the deadline still. So what I've effectively done for myself is buy myself more time to mess around, to hear them rattling on the microphone with these pieces of A4 paper, and just to make sure that I've got the end right before I commit it to paper. But, you know, to a certain extent, I've been, you know, a little bit too smart, Alec. And this is where the pantsing cap catches me in that I've set up everybody. Everybody could have done it. Everybody's got a motive. And I've been a little bit too smart, Alec, and not really thought through, well, you know, who is it going to be in, in making it potentially anybody? <laughs> I haven't really set a course solidly enough to decide who it's going to be. But, you know, to be honest with you, I've really just got to commit to who it is going to be. And then when I do the first rewrite before Helen Fasal gets it for editing, you just kind of lay the little crumbs, the Hansel and Gretel crumb trail that means it could be that person. This is how I how I tend to write them. It's interesting. I've been reading a book. Uh, I'll tell you what it's called. It's called, is it The Woman or The Girl in Cabin 10? They're usually girl, isn't it? So it's the Somebody in Cabin 10, which is a bestseller. And this is sort of part of my strategy in the run-up to Project Bloodhound, to read Bloodhound books and popular thrillers really just to get my mindset right in the zone for what's selling at the moment and I've got to tell you I mean you know there's nothing wrong with the book it's it's fine it's a thriller but for the last two books I've read which have been bestsellers they've been a bit like Scooby-Doo at the end you know when it's always the pest you know the, 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 you pesky kids and they tear off a rubber mask and it's like oh it was Mr. Craggins the caretaker and um they, they haven't been that good uh, you know not no great twist there. And I got to tell you, uh, the book I'm reading now, This Woman in Cabin 10, it's, it's really like Scooby-Doo. It's like, you know, people putting on cunning disguises um, and fooling everybody. And I'm reading this thinking, geez, this is a bit lame. I, I'd never try this in a book. 
uh, I just wouldn't do it, Scooby-Doo. Uh, so um, I'm quite surprised, actually, at that. It's been a bit of a shock this week. I, every time I'm reading it, I'm saying to my wife, it is, it's Scooby-Doo, it's more Scooby-Doo. Um, and, and, like, there's two characters now disguise themselves as somebody. And it's like, come on, this is this is pushing your luck a bit, this is. And 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 so I think here I am, I, I tend to contort myself for my endings. So they are, I hope, a genuine surprise and a genuine shock. And I try to make them, um, you know, not obvious. I, I work quite quite hard at that um, to, to keep the suspense going. So I've been I've been a bit surprised at this, uh, you know, reading these 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 mysteries. Uh, these are not people who I would normally read. You, know, I love Linwood Barclay and and Harlan Coben. They're not people I'd normally read. They're they're the sort of books that would be in Richard and Judy Book Club or on you know the top twenty of of W. H. Smith. That's why I've gone for them specifically, because that's the kind of novel I want to write next. But as I say, I've been a bit surprised at the twist, because it, it wasn't much of a twist, to be honest with you. I'm, and I'm, that's just been educational for me, let's put it that way. Anyhow, when I finish this book, when I finish Scooby-Doo, uh, I'm going to be reading um, a couple of uh, Bloodhounds then before I start writing to get myself into the into the right frame of mind for when I start writing the Project Bloodhound book. So how I've been productive today then, and actually I have actually been overproductive. Sorry, there were two actuallys in that sentence. Uh, I have been overproductive today in that because Helen Fazal has given me phase six early, what I've done today, just before recording this diary, is I've worked through, I've gone through half of phase six, working through Helen's final edits. And basically at this stage, she's checked it for spellings and things, but she has put some plot or writing suggestions in there. And it's, I basically will just make those last changes and, uh, and, and give it my sort of final read as well. And then she will give it a final read for me just to check last spelling mistakes and things like that. Um, so because Helen got that back to me early, that's great. It's meant that I've been really productive today. So I will do the final read of phase six. Half of it's done today that the, the other half will be done tomorrow. I'll put the holding, uh, file in Kindle pending Helen's last read of it and at least it means if I give it to Helen uh, after this weekend she could be doing that while I'm catching up with who to trust so it all works it does all work beautifully um, but I have done more sliding around of the schedule squares um, around these two books than I have for a long time and, and to be honest with you again you know the reason for that is, is I've set myself such a tight I knew this quarter was going to be tight it has been a bit of a ridiculous quarter um but as I said everything had to be finished by the 19th of March so I've effectively squeezed myself on two weeks of the year that normally would be productive working time so it has felt like a really tight quarter I'd be pleased I'd be pleased when this quarter's out of the way but having said that I mean I think the next quarter is pretty tight too in that I've had to say um, that I can't do any corporate trainings and uh, April and halfway through May I won't be taking on any client work or any corporate trainings because I got so many other things on it and many of those things frankly are actually sort of conferences so I got things like um, uh, well you know I got things like family visits I got a big crypto conference that I'm attending I've got crime fested there I've got crime and publishment so I've got loads of things on that are kind of work related um, but they mean they won't be taking clients on doing any further training, uh, not until the end of May, sort of beginning of June, which seems, you know, quite a remarkable thing to say. But I've st I've studied my agenda, and there ain't no room in there, uh, however however hard I try. So, um, what's going to happen then? Phase six will be done this weekend. That's great. 
I'm sending email to this weekend. You know these new look emails that I'm sending that have, you know, more personality, no sales in them. I'm sending email to. I send them on the last Sunday of every month. So I will be doing that this weekend as well. And um, what I may do, uh, depending on how phase six goes and how productive I am on Saturday, what I might then do is reread. So do my first sweep of Who to Trust chapters one to four on Sunday. Maybe do the first editorial sweep of chapters five to eight of Who to Trust on Thursday. Then plan. Then, with the story completely fresh in my mind, write Who to Trust up to 45k on Friday, up to 50k on Saturday, and then do the final checks on it on Sunday. So again, I've never done things so out of order as I have in this quarter. It's quite sort of exceptional um, for me and the way that I plan. But that's just the way it is. You know, the best laid plans, we have to shuffle things around at times. But the work's still going to get done. I'm fairly determined that these targets, these deadlines are all going to get done as well. The other thing I did, by the way, last weekend was I put phase six on pre-sale. So having received it back from Helen and thought, well, however, whichever order this comes in, phase six is going to be ready in time. I put it on pre-sale. It's going on sale on March the 23rd. I wrote my blurb for it. It went straight through on Kindle. It's going to stay exclusive on Amazon for the first three months. Then I'm going to make it wide. So I'm, I'm going to have a good think about this. But because um, by the end of quarter three is it no quarter two yeah quarter two by the end of quarter two of this year because I'm going to have who to trust and phase six ready and my complement of 14 books seven in each genre I'm going to think then about which is going to be the thriller that I either give away or or, or give um sell for 99 cents I've just undecided at the moment whether I'm going to have a constant freebie in my funnel or whether I'm going to give one away for 99 cents so um phase six will be this book and I'll probably make dead of night the thriller freebie because it's quite an easy book um to read so my decision has to be they're going to be the sort of lead the the funnel leads if you want so they're either going to be zero or 99 cents um what I'm probably going to do don't tell Meg's going to stay exclusive in Amazon it's just doing too well on Amazon but I might make the other thrillers wide so I might go back to draft the digital um with the other three thrillers the freebie or the 99 cents one will also be wide to bring people into the funnel. And then I may also make something like the grid wide and phase six wide and keep the secret bunker on uh, Kindle Unlimited. I'm not quite sure about the configuration of that yet, but I am going to mix it up. When, when all 14 books are live, I'll be mixing it up by the end of June to decide. Uh, I have a combination of some books in wide, some books exclusive on Amazon. One thing I can absolutely tell you is that uh, the Don't Tell Meg trilogy will be exclusive to Amazon. It's just doing too well on there. I ain't going to rock the boat. Um, and also, because Stuart Bache is going to be working on my covers, the minute I get those covers done and sorted, I will be submitting Don't Tell Meg, uh, you know, fingers crossed. I don't expect to get it again. I don't think because you've had one um, BookBub that you necessarily will get a second, but I am going to try it on BookBub again. And when I pitched a BookBub, I'm going to say, look, it did 45000 uh, free copies of the first promo. I've got new professional covers on, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was a good performer. I've made it even better, should do even better this time. And then I'm going to keep my fingers crossed so I can get a second book bub because that's just been so uh, lucrative for me. It's put so much money into cash flow. It's been great. And I could do with a second uh, book bub if I can, um, you know, simply for the cash flow that it creates. 
So um, that's kind of writing news this week. And it's a bit of a jumble. I'm afraid I'm sorry about that. But, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll get back on track eventually. But the work will get done. I say this every time. I don't care what order it gets done in. The work will get done, even if I have to sit here all night. So uh, general news then. Um, I did an interview on Sunday night with Sarah Hardy. Sarah is a publicist for Bloodhound Books. And actually, the reason that Sarah and I connected, obviously, we'd connected through uh, me promoting Bloodhound Books uh, interviews and authors before. So we were already connected. But she'd obviously been following me. She'd picked up Don't Tell Meg, I think, on a promo or for free. She'd really enjoyed it and reviewed it. And then she's actually gone through the trilogy. She absolutely loved um, book three. She really does love book three. Uh, it's amazing. You don't often have book three in the trilogy being the one that somebody gets most excited about. But um, Sarah really loved uh, book three, uh, which is very nice for me. Uh, and I'm and I'm really pleased about it because Sarah reads a lot of thrillers. She reads a lot of thrillers, so um, you know I take her opinion extremely um, seriously. If she thinks that I'm writing, you know, credible thrillers and a thriller that's uh, worthy of a five star review, so uh, very pleased by that. But anyhow, it was great to talk to Sarah. Had a really good chat. I asked her the questions because she used to. Uh, at one time, she was part of the intake at Bloodhound Books, so she'd read the first, you know, chapters of thrillers as they came in. So I, I got a couple of personal tips off her to say how can I, you know, do the best with with Bloodhound Books. And part of her feeling was that um, because Don't Tell Meg was part of a trilogy, you know, that might have been the problem. So what I am going to do with this next book is make sure it's absolutely standalone. So it's going to be ninety thousand words, standalone, self-contained thriller. So I'm going to give myself the best chance I have of you know getting a good read from Bloodhound and maybe them picking it up and I do have a couple of of backup places to send it to as well um as as, as Bloodhound you know a couple of other places where I'd be happy to publish too but I really would as you know uh like to get that book placed with Bloodhound but that's going to be a long project I'm going to be it'll be written by the summer holidays I'm going to leave myself the summer holidays to edit it and for me to work 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 and get it to, as right as I can then it's going to go to a development editor then I'm going to go through the development edit then I'm going to send it to Helen Vazal it's going to go through a lot of hands before that goes to Bloodhound I'm going to make that book as good as I possibly can, because, <laughs> you know, I want to move things on. So it's going to be a lot slower, this next book, uh, you know, compared to my normal rate of production, because I'm going to take much more time with the editing, the re-editing, and the making sure it's as right as I can possibly make it before I start to um, send it out. And this all goes back to what I said I've got to move things on. I've written 14 books now. It's not good enough. I'm not making enough money. I haven't got enough traction. I've got to move things on. And I'm not going to move things on by doing the, the things the same way that I've been doing them. I need to do things a different way. And that's what I'm doing with uh, Project Bloodhound to see if we can create some change. So uh, Sarah uh, enjoyed that. It was uh, a good chat on Sunday evening. This was another thing that squeezed me actually, because when I when I booked Sarah in, um, for the podcast, she booked a really close date, and I had and I, found, and I had to create some time to prepare and research for it, and um, because that also dropped dropped on me uh, with very little notice. I think it booked with about two or three days notice. Um, this this is why I've just had too many things to do, and um, you know, again, I, I should take a lesson from this. I, I haven't helped myself. Uh, in this quarter by starting the crypto podcast you know this is there's a whole world that takes part completely separately or takes place completely separately from what I'm doing with writing uh, but this is just something that I, I want to do with the crypto podcast and Alice and I I think we've 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 pretty well agreed between ourselves that we're renewing it for another three months so that'll be half a year's worth um, of these podcasts so I really have um, squeezed my time 
this year and I'm going to another crypto conference and we're beginning uh, we weren't going to have guests on this podcast and I am going to start interviewing guests also for the crypto podcast so it's my own stupid fault frankly uh, for, for starting too many things and I deserve what I get um, but I, I'm pretty convinced that by the time we get to the end of March I'm pretty convinced that I've got a lot more um, wriggle room um, built in there it was very intense getting that crypto podcast up very fast we, we, we produced a lot of we produced 12 initial episodes at a very tight time frame and if you remember I'd had the lurgy again at Christmas so I hadn't been able to start that because uh, my voice was too croaky uh, when I wanted to. So I, I have just been squeezed a lot in this quarter. But, uh, you know, I'm not moaning about it. We'll get there. It's all good fun. Um, you know, the books are getting written. They're getting edited. And they will be out at their designated time. Come hell or high water. Um, coming up in, what, two weeks' time. Now, crikey, this, this felt like it was ages away. Now, here we are, is Crime and Publishment. This is the crime event that takes place at Gretna Green, which is just 20 minutes up the road for me. Um, so it's a delight to have a, an event like this up the road. And it, um, it's organised by Graham Smith, who, uh, this is like um, writing happy families. Graham Smith is a local author. He's been published, I think it was with Cafe Nights. It might have been Joff Books. Cafe Nights or Joff. I think it was Cafe Nights, actually. But he's now published through Bloodhound. Um, so he and I have met. I try, try to remember where I met Graham. I think I think I met Graham possibly through doing corporate events, and and then found out he was uh, an author. I can't remember. You know how it is on social media. Um, and anyhow, I'm going to do an interview with with Graham because things have moved on considerably for him since I interviewed him last time for this podcast. And then also um, he and I are doing presentations uh, as well as many other people at the Crime and Publishment event. And I'm going to spend the weekend there because last year I went for the Friday only. And then wished I hadn't had to leave as early on the Friday. So I'm staying overnight on the Friday, staying for the Saturday, and then I'll probably stay for some drinks on Saturday, and then I, I won't do the Sunday bit. Um, so I'm there for two days this year. Really looking forward to that. Um, but you know, as a now I'm a thriller writer. I got um, well, I'll have seven thrillers under my belt. Uh, I need to start putting myself about on that circuit and talking to the authors and talking to the publishers and, and all of that sort of thing. And that's why I also booked into um, the other crime event in. Bristol, which is called, he's thumbing through, thumbing through my notes, trying to remember what it's called, Crime Fest. And that's taking place in Bristol during, uh, when is it? May. Uh, and interestingly, I'm flying to that as well. I'm doing quite a lot of flying this year because it's quicker for where I live often to, to just drive the hour to Newcastle Airport from where I live and hop on a plane. Um, so I'll be flying to Bristol. It's way cheaper than going by train. So that's going to be crime and publishment. Looking forward to that. I think that's pretty well it for my writing news for this week. I'd forgotten to mention um, Edwin Downward last week, who'd sent me uh, a, a beautiful picture, actually. I don't know where this is, uh, Edwin. I'm not quite sure where in the world you live, but he's gone to a lake to do some writing, and it's a really lovely, quiet, rural scene. It's not in this country. I know that. I've forgotten where uh, Edwin lives. Somewhere in the States, I think. Um, but beautiful place to write. So uh, nice to see that. Thanks for sending that. And also Patrick Sheriff, who is a previous interview guest who's based in Japan. Um, Patrick also tweeted to say, just sipping an instant green tea latte, as you do in Japan, and catching up with the self-publishing diary. I've got to tell you, Patrick, speaking as a man who likes his tea English breakfast only. I don't like anything fancy in my tea. That looks disgusting. <laughs> it really does. A green tea latte. I don't think I'll be trying one anytime soon. 
Uh, good to see it's in your Leicester City mug, by the way, because I know you're a fan of Leicester City. It's good to see it's in, in your mug still. You've managed to take that over to Japan, but I will not be trying green tea latte anytime soon. I'll stick with the Tetley and the PG tips. Thank you very much. I do like my tea traditional. So that's it. A shorter Paul's podcast diary for this week. Um, just a mention of Monday's guest. Oh, and, and, and something else just to throw in. Um, when, when I interviewed Sarah on Sunday, I said to her, Oh, you just, cause you've just read my books. Um, I'm doing this special two year anniversary podcast. Can I get you to ask me three questions, um, for the, for this special two year anniversary podcast? Um, just ask me three questions from the point of view of a reader. Um, and I got Sarah to, to record that. So I've got three of these now. I've got Alison Ingleby's, Sarah Hardy's, and I've got Rachel Amflert's. And then I've asked John, Cronshaw to do the same and Meg Cowley to do the same. So there'll be five people uh, asking me questions for this special two-year anniversary episode. And it's working really well. It's great fun. Uh, and it's all going to edit together really well. And the reason I mentioned that when I was mentioning uh, about to tell you about Monday's guest is that Rachel Amphlett is Monday's guest and, and she's recorded some questions too. And um, Rachel is the third time I've spoken to Rachel on the show. The reason I've spoken to Rachel three times is because her career has has shown significant change each time I've spoken to her. Rachel now is, she's left work and there's a story behind that, but she's now writing full-time and creating her living as a writer. And it's all due to the series that we were discussing the last time we spoke. I can't believe, well, I can believe because uh, Rachel just works and works and works and works. She's un- un- unbelievably productive. I-, I I said to her in the interview, I I, I always think I'm, I'm reasonably productive, um, and but Rachel puts me to shame. I said to her, you know how you follow people on social media. I'd, I'd seen that. Um, I think she, I'd seen she, book three was out imminently, and she was working on book four, and then out of nowhere, a trilogy comes, and I thought, well, how? Where's that come from? How's she done that? Um, I cannot believe Rachel's level of productivity. She totally deserves everything that, that she's earned through her writing career. But she'll be talking to us about that and explaining how she's managed to go full-time as a writer and also telling us why her her new character, her new thriller character is doing so well for her and it's really led to her breakthrough as a self-published author. So that's going to be on episode number 104 of the Self-Publishing Journeys podcast. That's going to drop on Monday, the 26th of February, 2018. Um, I do hope that by the time we speak next week, my work is on a more even keel and I haven't shuffled everything around once more. But if things go to plan, I should be telling you, I should be telling you, I have to be telling you, that by the time I record the next diary, I've done another 5,000 words, possibly even 10, but probably 5,000 words of who to trust. Tell me off if I don't get that done in next week's diary. So I hope that's what's going to happen. So long as no more lurgies strike or, you know, nothing nothing goes wrong in life, so long as everything just goes along tickety-boo, that should be what happens next week. So I will be back with another self-publishing diary next Saturday. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a great week of writing without too many schedule changes, and I'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.